dudes. Happy Friday. Uh, if you're listening to this first thing in the morning, good morning. If you're listening to this at night, good night. Um, you know, good whatever. Today I'm going to be crocheting. So the, uh, cube, not cube. This is two-dimensional. The, uh, squares. Yes, that's what they're called. The squares that I was crocheting in the last episode with the Dolly Madison Bakery Murders. Today I'm stitching them together. Um, so far I only have one stitch together. (laughs) Or two, I guess. So I have a rectangle now because that's how shapes work. Um, today I'm going to be talking to you guys about Amelia Dyer. So I kind of cheated. Listen, hear me out. I recorded my last episode late, obviously, because I was sick. Um, and then, because I recorded it late, I also thought that I didn't need to research my next case until the other one was recorded and done. Uh, because that's how my procrastinating brain works, right? Uh, wrong. So I definitely did need to research. And when I realized that, I also realized, you know... I can't do a week's worth of research in two days. Uh, no, that's just that's just not how it works. So I thought, I'm going to take a, not a break. I'm going to take an easy route this week. And I'm going to go ahead and do one of my favorite cases that I know there's a lot of information on. Um, so you're getting Amelia Dyer, Dyer this week. And I don't think that's bad, you know. Or maybe I'm just trying to convince myself. But... I think it's okay. Um, Also, I just wanted to say, so in my first episode, I think it was my first episode, the one of the Carr brothers, um, the thing that I was crocheting was a potholder. Yes, I know this now. Um, I would also just like to say that when I hit record on this app, my brain does not come with me. Um, My brain leaves. The second the recording starts. So to all the people that message me, just the words potholder, I see you, I hear you, um, I'm with you, but I also want you to know that I'm not as dumb as you think I am. So yes, um, I know it's a potholder, I, I know it's not a hot pad or a heating pad or a um, oven mitt or all the other names that I called it besides potholder. Um, but yeah, so I think that's it. Um, so grab some coffee uh, or water, or if you're listening to this at night, um, because we don't condone day drinking, uh, you can have some some beverage of choice. Um, but I'm going to drink water, and I'm going to tell you about Amelia Dyer. So <laughs> let's, let's freaking get into it, guys. So, our girl, Amelia, um, she was born on, er, in 1829. Yeah, way back when. 1829. This episode's starting out amazing. Um, she was raised in Bristol. Uh, she was born the youngest of five, having three brothers and a sister. She was raised in the small village of Pyle Marsh, um, spelled P-Y-L-E, because the UK is quirky. Um... And she was the daughter of a master shoemaker, uh, so she was not as poor as most people back in Victorian England. 
Um, she learned to read and write and developed a strong love for literature and poetry. When she was very young, her mother became severely ill with typhus, uh, which is like some rat disease or something through fleas. Um, you know, I, I don't actually know. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Amelia witnessed her mother's violent fits and was the one in charge of caring for her until she passed away in 1848. Uh, so that's sad. Um, and I guarantee that added to her brain, uh, that was full of not great things. Um, after her mother passed away, she went to live with an aunt for a while before interning at a corset shop. Um, her father then passed away in 1859, which gave her older brother the shoe business. Um, around this time, her and her siblings got into a fight. I'm assuming about the, the oldest brother getting the shoe business and they all separated and Amelia went on to marry a man named George Thomas. Uh, but George was 59 and she was 24. Um, but it's okay because they both lied about their ages on the marriage certificate to reduce the age gap. So it, it, disappeared uh george said he was 48 and, and amelia said she was 30 so it's fine you know it's totally fine um yeah so she went to school to be a nurse and it was during this time that a coworker informed her of an easier way to earn a living um to open her home to young mothers who had conceived illegitimately yeah that word illegitimately um, and then farm off the babies for adopting or allowing them to die of neglect and malnutrition. This coworker uh, was an evil woman named Ellen Dane, um, and later she was forced to flee to the U.S. to escape the authorities because she gave Amelia that information. So, you know, I'm sure I was gonna say I'm sure Ellen's a great person, but actually, no, she's I'm I'm sure she's not. She, they, she has nothing going for her here. Um. So, women who gave birth out of wedlock in Victorian England often struggled greatly to gain an income, uh, since the Poor Law Amendment Act had removed any financial obligation from the fathers of illegitimate children. Um, you know, I think the U.S. still holds that act. So, this ultimately led to the practice of baby farming, which was basically, um, someone who would foster children for money, usually Ill illegally, until a home could be found for them. But, usually the caretakers resorted to starving the babies to save money. Um, noisy or demanding babies could be sedated with alcohol or opiates. Um, and many children died as a result of these practices, and mothers who chose to reclaim or simply check in on their babies could often encounter difficulties. Um, but some would be too frightened or ashamed to tell police about any suspected abuse because they were illegitimate children. So... Basically, uh, your colicky baby back in this time would be shot up with some opium and they'd, they'd be great. You know, I, I totally don't see why we don't do that now. What's it hurting? So even the authorities had problems tracing down the children in these homes. Um, and in 1869, Amelia had a doll, a dollar. Yep. She had one dollar. No, she had a daughter named Polly Thomas, but I've also seen her name like Mary or something. Um, but I'm going to refer to her as Polly because that's that's just what I did. Um, and George, the, the father, George Thomas, he passed away. So she was forced to leave her nursing job and needed an income very fast. So what do you think she did? She joined her brother's shoe business. No, I, she did not do that. So Amelia 
decided that she was going to begin advertising for her baby farm. Um, and she advertised that she would nurse and adopt the baby in return for a substantial one-time payment and adequate, adequate, adequate clothing for the child. Um, in her meetings with clients, she assured them that she was respectable, married, and that she would provide a safe and loving home for the child. Um, if only, Amelia, if only. So at the beginning of her baby farming career, Amelia was prepared to let the children die through neglect and starvation. Um, cause you know, that's, that's way more humane, but, uh, soon she just turned to murdering them upon arrival, uh, allowing her to pocket the entirety of the fee and not have to actually take care of the children. Um, you know, money smart. So for quite a while, Amelia was able to stay out of police attention. Um, she was eventually caught in 1879 after a doctor became suspicious about the number of child deaths that he had been writing certifications for under her care. Um, but instead of being convicted of murder, you know, obviously, she was just sentenced to six months of hard labor for neglect. Because screw them kids, right? Um, this experience allegedly, almost destroyed her mentality, and she was released, uh, and she attempted to return to her nursing career, but often had episodes in mental hospitals due to her mental instability from the six months of hard labor. Uh, she would often disappear for months at a time, and being a former mental hospital nurse, she knew exactly how to behave to ensure that she found a comfortable spot right in the asylum. Um, you know, that'll, that'll come back into hand later in the story. I'm not belittling anybody with mental health issues. Just wait, you'll realize why the sarcastic tone is there. So in 1890, Amelia cared for an illegitimate, uh, why can I not say that word? Illegitimate baby of a governess. And when the governess returned to visit the child, she was immediately suspicious and stripped the baby to see a birthmark, see if a birthmark was present on one of its hips. Uh, obviously it wasn't. Uh, and prolonged suspicions by the authorities led to Dyer having a breakdown. Hmm. At one point, she also drank two bottles of laudanum. I don't know what that is, and I don't know if you do either, but if you do, tell me, please. Um, in an, she drank the two bottles in a suicide attempt. Tempt? Wow, words are really easy for me. Um, but her long-term alcoholism and drug abuse problem had built up her tolerance to opium products, uh, so she survived. She, yeah, you know, she survived because she was an addict. Yeah. So, inevitably, she returned to baby farming and murder. Uh, she realized that involving doctors to issue death certificates was a mess. So, she just started, you know, disposing of the bodies herself. Because why go through a doctor? It's too, it's too difficult. Um, and due to the parents wanting to visit or reclaim their children and alerting police when they weren't allowed to, Amelia decided to relocate to different towns and cities to continuously escape suspicion and regain business. Because when you kill all the babies in one area, there's none left. You gotta move on. God, it's, it's morbid. <laughs> in 1894, Amelia moved to Caversham. Caversham? I don't know, Berkshire, and took in an associate named Jane Smith, who Amelia recruited herself. Yeah, it, it doesn't go well. Uh, this was when she moved to Kensington Road Reading. Um, I don't know where that is. And she then convinced Jane to only be referred to as mother in front of the women handing over their children 
uh, in an effort to present a caring mother-daughter image so that the parents of the babies would think that they were going to a, a duo. A loving duo. Uh, no, not not here, folks. So in January 1896, Evelina Marmon gave birth to an illegitimate, illegitimate daughter. I almost had it there. Doris. And quickly searched for adoption centers. Uh, she found an ad in the paper for a Mrs. Harding. Wonder who that could be. Uh, who wrote that she would be glad to have children in her care. Evelina Marmon wanted to pay a more affordable fee than what was asked for, but Mrs. Harding was very insistent on being paid in advance. Evelina reluctantly paid the fee, and a week later, Mrs. Harding arrived in uh, Shetlinham? Why is everything ham? Why does it have to be ham? Evelina was surprised by Amelia's appearance, but she seemed affectionate towards Doris, so she handed her over with a cardboard box of clothes and the one-time fee. Evelina was still distressed about having to give up her daughter, so she went with Amelia to the station and then on to Gloucester uh, before having to return home as a broken woman. A few days later, she received a letter from Mrs. Harding saying that all was well, and when Evelina wrote back, she received no reply. So if you if you didn't gather, uh, Mrs. Harding was Amelia. Yeah, uh, Amelia did not travel back to Reading like she told Evelina she was going to. Instead, she went to Mayo Road in London, where her 23-year-old daughter was living, uh, Polly, or Mary Ann, um, but Polly. There, Amelia quickly found some white edging tape used in dressmaking, wound it twice around the baby's neck, and tied a knot. Uh, this this way of killing would not have been immediate, and Amelia later said that she enjoyed watching them with the tape around their neck. <sighs> Burn in hell, dude. You know, I just... I don't know. So, both Amelia and Polly allegedly helped to wrap the body in a napkin. Um, I'm not sure if it was, like, a paper napkin or one of those cloth ones, because I can't... Like, babies are little, you know, I actually don't want to be picturing this. Never mind. Um, they kept some of the clothes that Evelina had packed, but the rest they sold. And Amelia paid the landlady um, with the money from the clothes and gifted her a pair of Doris's boots for her own child. Chilling, dude. Haven't said that in a while. Chilling. Um, Amelia paid the rest, or the, no, I already said that, mm -hmm. The following day, another child named Harry Simmons was taken to Mayo Road. However, with no white edging tape available, the tape around Doris's corpse was removed and used to strangle the 13-month-old boy. The next day, on April 2nd, both bodies were stacked into a carpet bag along with bricks for added weight, and Amelia headed for reading, uh, but found a secluded spot she knew well and forced the carpet bag through the railings into the Thames River. This is where it gets yucky. And I'm also going to take a break to take a drink. I'll be right back. Okay, so, unknown to Amelia, on March 30th, 1896, a package was retrieved from the river by a freight boat worker, um, and it contained the body of a little girl, later identified as Helena Fry. The small detective force within the Reading Police made a breakthrough, finding the name Mrs. Thomas, remember her ex-slash-dead uh, husband's name was George Thomas, 
um, and an address. And this evidence was enough to lead police to Amelia, but they didn't have strong enough evidence to connect her directly to the crime. Um, in, in addition, evidence, evidence they gathered from witnesses, um, Amelia's house was placed under surveillance. And the officers decided to use a young woman as a decoy, hoping that she would be able to secure a meeting with Amelia to discuss her services. Uh, so they basically were like, hey, pretend to be a mother with an illegitimate child and, you know, ask her about what she does. So on, or, hold on, I lost my spot. Okay. As Amelia was waiting for her new client to call, she found detectives waiting on her doorstep, and on April 3rd, the police raided her home. When they entered, they were immediately hit with the smell of human decomposition, um, a smell unlike any other. And although they they were immediately hit with the smell of human decomposition, decomposition although no human remains were found. Um, I'm assuming because she would kill babies and then like leave them for a little bit until she had enough to put them in a bag together. Ugh, it's so yucky. Ugh. Okay, so they did find white edging tape, uh, telegrams regarding adoption arrangements, pawn tickets for children's clothing, receipts. Do you hear that loud car? Every night at this time, our neighbor does that. Um, receipts for advertisements and letters from mothers wondering how their children were doing not well uh the police calculated that in the previous few months at least 20 children had been placed in amelia's care uh, it also appeared that she was about to move again to escape suspicions um the rate of murder this rate of murder led police to estimate that over the course of a few decades Amelia may have killed over 400 babies and children, making her one of the most prolific murderers ever, as well as the most prolific murderess ever. I kind of hate that murderess sounds so uh, enticing, uh, thrilling. I, I don't understand like why you had to give such a cool name to someone. Like It sounds like lioness, you know, like something really powerful. Um, but actually, it's disgusting. So let's not think that, Lorel. Let's not think that. Um, Helena Fry, the baby removed from the Thames River, had been handed over to Amelia at Temple Mead Station on March 5th. And that same evening, she arrived home carrying only a brown paper parcel. Um, and if you're from the U.S., parcels package. Um, just like the boot of a car is uh, the trunk. Either we say dumb things or they do. I haven't figured it out yet. Um, she hid the package in the house, but after three weeks, the odor of decompos decomposition prompted her to dump the baby in the river. And as it was not weighted properly, it had been easily found because it was floating. Sick. Amelia was eventually arrested on April 4th, 1896 and charged with murder. Her son-in-law was charged as an accessory to murder. I'm not, you know, they he was never really mentioned until now. So I'm assuming he was just like chilling in the background. Um, because I'm pretty sure Polly was charged too, rightfully so. Um, so during April, Thames River was dragged, which basically means when they just like search all parts of the river for body parts. 
Um, and six more bodies were discovered, including Doris Marmon and Harry Simmons, Amer- Amelia's last victims. Um, each baby had been strangled with white tape, which was later told to the, or she later told police, um, that you'll know all of the babies found in the river are hers if they have that white tape around their necks. Um, thanks for the clue, you dirty bitch. Um, 11 days after handing her daughter to Amelia, Evelina identified her daughter's remains. So, on May 22nd, 1896, Amelia Dyer appeared at the Old Bailey and pleaded guilty to one murder, the one of Doris Marmon, um, and her family and associates, her family and associates testified at her trial that they had been growing suspicious and uneasy about her activities, uh, and it emerged that Dyer had narrowly escaped discovery on several occasions. Her daughter had given graphic evidence that ensured her conviction, and the only defense Amelia offered was insanity. Uh, she had been twice committed to asylums in Bristol. Um, however, the prosecution argued successfully that her exhibitions of mental health, or uh, mental instability there, uh, had been a ploy to avoid suspicion. Both committals were said to be have English, oh my gosh, were said to have been coincided with times when she was concerned her crimes might have been exposed. So like I said earlier, she uh, basically was like, oh no, I'm about to get caught, better act, not well. And then she would fake being mentally ill and go stay in the asylum for a couple days, you know, a nice comfy vacation, and then she'd be be back out and fine. Um, So that's what the sarcasm was for earlier. I'm not just an insensitive person, you know? Um, or maybe a little bit, but, you know. Anyways, it took the jury only four and a half minutes to find her guilty, and in her three weeks in the condemned cell, she filled five exercise books with her confession. I'm assuming exercise books are, like, notebooks. Uh, once again, one of those things that the U.S. calls one thing and the U.K. calls it the other. Uh, when she visited, or when she was visited the night before her execution by the chaplain, she was asked if she had anything to confess, in which she said, isn't this enough? As she offered the chaplain the exercise books. Um, also, funny thing, she was supposed to appear for her daughter's trial for murder, set a week after her own execution date. However, it was obviously ruled that she was already legally dead, one sentence, therefore her evidence would be inadmissible in court, because she was dead. So, on the eve of her conviction, no, execution, Amelia heard that she was charged against her daughter, or she heard that her, the charges against her daughter had been dropped. She was not happy about it. Um, She was like, no, if I'm going down, you're going down too. But it obviously didn't happen, even though it should have. Um... She was hanged by James Billington at the Newgate Prison on Wednesday, June 10th, 1896, and it wasn't known how many more children Amelia murdered. However, inquiries from mothers, evidence from witnesses, and material found in her home pointed to many, many more. Like I said earlier, possibly 400. That's more than some people's entire school. Yikes. Um, due to this case, adoption laws were made stricter, giving local authorities the power to police baby farms in the hope of stamping out abuse. Yeah, so I guess one good thing came out of that. But, because she was a murderer alive at the time of Jack the Jack the Ripper killings, some suggested that she might have been Jack the Ripper. Um, 
and Jack the Ripper is just someone who killed sex workers. Um, not just. That sounded so, like, nonchalant. No. Jack the Ripper was a brutal, terrible person. Um, but it is believed that it was her because the murders were suspect. Like, they thought that it was done through botched abortions. Um, but this suggestion was mainly put forward by author William Stewart, although he preferred Mary Percy as his chosen suspect. Um, I can do a whole another episode on that, uh, case, because that's, that's a hoot right there. Um, there is, however, no evidence to connect Dyer to the Jack the Ripper murders. It's just, a a little, a little fun kicks and giggles. Tee hee ha ha, dead people. Um, also, a little fun fact while I was researching, I found out that in March of 2017, an old house was searched, and the paper packaging that was used on Helena Fry was found in the attic of a home. Um, it was also found in a box that contained string, white edging tape, and an evidence tag. Um, this all belonged to Detective James Anderson, and back then it was just common for detectives to hold on to the evidence and bring it to court themselves. Um, so a grandson was, like, searching his old house or something like that and found it. But now it's in a showcase at a museum in Berkshire. And and that's the case of Amelia Dyer. We did it, folks. <laughs> Doing the Curtis Connor folks. Um, so yeah. I I never know how to end these. I don't know what to say. Um, I hope you had a great time listening to me talk about really sad things. Um Next week's case, if you have any suggestions, throw them at me. I was going to answer, like, I put a little thing on my Instagram, um, like a little questions box, and I said, ask me anything, I'll answer it at the end of my um, episode on Friday, but my friend Claudia was the only one that responded to it, and Claudia asked me what I would name my cat if I were to have one right now. And I didn't think of it at all until this moment, so I don't know. Okay, let's think, let's think, let's think, let's think. The only thing coming to my mind right now is Harold, and I think it's because I'm staring at the naked photo um, of Harry Styles that's in my bedroom. And that sounds really scary, but it came in his album, so it's it's not as scary. Um, but I don't think I would name him Harold. I want to name, like, when I think of cats, I just think of funny names, like Cottage Cheese or um, Celery. So, Claudia, I hope that fulfilled your question. Um, And all of the rest of you that saw that question thing and did not respond to it, shame on you. Um, You you should feel so bad. I'm kidding. You shouldn't feel any type of way. I, I do not care. Anyways, okay, whatever. Goodbye. Um, I hope you had a great time. I hope you got far on your projects. I got three more rectangles done. Um, have a great day. If it's morning, have a have a great day. If it's nighttime, have a great night. Uh, sleep well after learning about dead babies. That sounds so bad. Um, follow my Instagram at Crochet and Crime or my personal Instagram at L Augustine. Also, I've been trying to. Um, turn my TikTok into a crochet TikTok. It's not been working very well. I haven't even changed the name yet. 
uh, when that happens, I'll put it in the description or I'll post about it on my Instagram page. Um, do I make you feel crazy right now talking like this? Because I'm starting to feel crazy. Um, I have to go do so many things. I have to go put dinner away. I made this autumn rice soup. It was so bad. It wasn't bad. It, it tasted really well, really well. It tasted really good. Um, but I know that my crock pot gets really, really hot and the recipe called for like two hours on high, but I knew that two hours on high was going to be way too much, but I did it anyways and the rice turned to mush and it was fine, but it was more of a porridge than a soup and it's, I don't know. I don't know anything anymore. Have a great day. Oh my gosh, I was so stressed out that I almost didn't even say my own like ending slogan. Lock your doors and don't talk to creepy men. What the heck?